All right. Thanks, man. Amen, amen. Anybody excited this morning? I feel like getting Pentecostal. Gloria! <laughs> Come on, where the old schoolers? Quien vive? Y a su nombre? I don't know why I did that, but that's good. Amen. Amen. All right, let's, let's press in. Let's press in. Let's press in. This is not time to text. This is not time to tweet or to Facebook or to go to the store or to, 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 to talk to your neighbor or to find out about today or to find out where you're going later. There's plenty of time for that. Give me a few minutes. Just press in and, and let God speak. Amen? Here's the quote. The, the truth isn't always beautiful, but the hunger for it is. Amen? Man makes holy what he believes, and he makes beautiful what he loves. I want to talk to you this morning about our ugly and his grace. How God makes beautiful what he loves and, and the way that God reaches out to the ugliest and makes it useful in a message titled, The Power of Ugly. <laughs> Insert joke here. Turn to your husband and say, now he's just picking on you. The Power of Ugly. Listen, when, when, when Manny said, everybody just shut up, just surrender and let God speak to you, I, I did that. And, and God showed me this picture, and, you know, I've been kind of going over my message and going over what he's given me to, to share, and he showed me this, this picture of a paper bag. And, and he started, I started thinking, you know how we have this joke about, you know, what, what we do with ugly? She went, Right? We, we put a paper bag on ugly, and as long as everything else is good, then it's good, right? But see, God was showing me we bring this paper bag theology into the church. And we just put a paper bag on ugly, we cover up ugly, and as long as everything else is good, then we're good. As long as we're coming to church, as long as we pray a little, as long as, but we cover up ugly. But listen, God, God is saying we need to not cover up ugly anymore. We need to unmask it. Amen? And so my, my, my prayer today is that we're able to unmask ugly and, and smash the paper bags. Amen? Well, all right. We've been telling the Genesis story. We left off in Jacob. Man, with Jacob taking his family out, remember, he, he ran from his cheating father-in-law. Here's the quick recap. In that escape, Rachel steals her father's gods. And while we wrestled with why she would do that, Jacob wrestled with God in this all-night MMA fight. And Jacob's faith and his perseverance was being tested, and he doesn't give up, man. God was preparing him and increasing courage in him to not only go and meet his brother, but for the rest of his life, you know, the things he's going to need to, to go. And, and, and if you remember the story, the, you know, after fighting all day, the angel touches his hip, dislocates it, 
overpowers him, just reminding us, showing us that one touch from God will change the way we walk. Amen? And so then a defeated Jacob, he holds on and he says, I won't let go until you bless me. Now listen, Jacob wanted a blessing, but what he got was a name change. This is so powerful, I had to mention it again, because there's so much in that simple message. See, we fight and we struggle with God from, from the biggest babies here in the church to the most mature. We fight and we, we wrestle with God. We struggle and we pray and we're asking God to change things, change some things. You need to change this. And, and so many times God's focus is not on changing those things. His focus is on changing us. Good, it's getting quiet. We ask God, God, get all the ugly out of my life. Get this ugly situation out. Get the ugly out. Get all of this ugly out. But too often, the ugly is us. The ugly is you. The ugly is me. Tell somebody, the ugly is me. If, if you couldn't say that, maybe you got a pride issue. The ugly, now listen, the power of ugly is that until it's unmasked, it doesn't know that it's ugly. Mm. We'll, we'll get to it again. See, Jacob wanted a blessing worthy of all his fighting, but God gave him an identity worthy of his calling. We, we want things to change. We, we say, God, you know, God wants us to change. And in that culture, understand, a change in name meant a change in identity. Now, listen, I, I did a whole four-part series on this a year or two ago, but the, the enemy is the biggest identity thief out there. And we need to really understand that. So many of us, we shred. How many of you have a shredder at home? Look, look around. You, you, we shred our bills. We shred our magazine covers. We, we don't want nobody getting our social security, our address. We don't want nobody getting our names and our stuff. But we pay no mind to our spiritual identity. And all the while, the enemy is stealing our, our spiritual identity. He's told you, listen, this applies to a lot of us in here. He's told you that you couldn't do any better and you believed it. He's told you that you can't get any closer to God because of what you've done, and you've accepted that. He's, he's told you that you can't be used, and you believed it. He's told you that this is the best that you can do, and you bought that lie. He's told you that you, you don't have to believe everything in the Bible, and because of that, you think you're smarter than everybody else. He's told you, you can still act this way, or you can still do those, those, these things, and you think that it's true. He's told you that you really don't have to, to walk this way or do those things, and you have accepted it. See, the power of ugly is that it draws your focus on the wrong things. You still with me? Listen, you would be safer if you posted your name and your social security number on Facebook and spent more time guarding your spiritual identity. 
calladitos. Eh. That's good, that's good. You, you'd be better off making sure that you guarded your heart because the word says that that's the wellspring of life. You'd be better off making sure that you bridled your tongue, that you held it, because the word says something so little can set on fire the whole course of your life. You'd be better off making sure you were walking in love, walking in forgiveness, because God says, you forgive, I forgive. You don't forgive, I don't forgive. You'd be better off making sure you were walking in obedience, making sure you gave no room for bitterness or hatred or resentment or jealousy. You, you'd be better off making sure that you had the peace of God in every decision that you're making. You'd be better sure at making sure that at the end of every day you have done all that you can do to have fellowship with God and fellowship with those around you. Because that's what the word says we need to do. Making sure in every way, as long as it was up to you, that you were walking in God's will for your life or at least trying to find it. Amen? If you leave any of those areas unprotected before long, you are so far gone, so full of doubt and confusion that you totally forget who you were supposed to be. The power of ugly is that it makes you forget who you are. Jacob wrestled with God until God defeated Jacob and created Israel. So until God defeated ugly and created something better, we could say God beat the ugly out of Jacob. <laughs> I mean, you in that process. Say, man, God's been beating the ugly out of me. Amen. Stay there. Don't run from it. It's a good place to be. People do us an injustice when they allow the ugly to continue. When they allow us to, to keep it behind the mask. They do us an injustice. God wants to uncover your ugly and deal with it once and for all so that there'll be no ugly for you to cover up. Amen. Stay with me. Sometimes we got to go through some ugly so we can recognize the beauty that God has given us. Chapter 32 starts with Jacob fears Esau, and it ends with Jacob wrestled with God. And now the next chapter, chapter 33, starts, and Jacob now meets Esau. And so let's go through the story real quick. After all the preparations... He knows Esau's coming. He knows Esau has 400 men. That's not like the movie 300. There's 400 men. So it's 300 set of six-packs plus another 100 coming after him. Somebody said, that's a lot of abs. <laughs> so so in, he, after he makes all the preparations, he sends gifts up ahead to soften him. He sends messengers. He puts everybody where he wants them. And finally, he sees Esau coming in the distance. Now, Jacob had been afraid. We talked about it last week. He was scared. He was so scared that he stayed behind by himself and he prayed. He was terrified, but something happened in that time of prayer. Because, see, the word says that perfect love casts out fear. 
And so something changed in Jacob. God wrestled with his ugly and revealed his identity. And, and, and Jacob understood that he don't have to be afraid anymore. And so Jacob sees him coming and he runs toward him. He runs up ahead of all his people. He runs toward him. And then Esau sees him, and Esau runs toward him. It, it, it's a Hallmark movie, man. These guys are just running slow motion. Right? It, it's like a Hallmark you know, the thing going on there. They're running at each other, and the, the two brothers, it says that they, that they fall on each other, and, they, and they, you know, they, they kiss, and they hug, and they weep. It's a beautiful reunion. Now, you've you got to think about this. Esau, who had been wronged, who was cheated, who wanted to kill Jacob, is now running toward him, hugs him, embraces him, and cries with him. Listen, that is some crazy forgiveness right there. Amen? How, how many of us, I, you know, don't put your hands up and, and, and be... Um, you know, keep your humility. How many of us can, can say, I'd forgive this guy? He cheated him when, w- without him even knowing and then cheated him again, stole his birthright, stole his blessing, stole every, the prayer, stole everything from him, and then broke out and left him with nothing. And the only thing that comforted Esau during that whole time was, it's okay, because when I catch him, I'm going to kill him. Right? And revenge was the only thing that, that, but now this guy, after this time, he's running. And now, mind you, Esau's not even a man of God. So this is not even a Christian man under, who understands forgiveness, who understands that he needs, to be, he needs to forgive so that he can be forgiven. This is not even that kind of man. This is just somebody that understands something here. He's learned something. He's picked something up from his dad, from, from the way he grew up. He, he's, he's total forgiveness. He just forgives him right then and there. Jacob bows down to him, humbles himself, and Esau accepts him. Now, look, Jacob gives him gifts, and although Esau says, I don't need him, he accepts him. See, in that culture, if we, they didn't accept gifts from enemies. You know, not like you and me. You and me, we get a gift from somebody, we're like, oh, I'm taking it. That's good. Oh, you, you guys are friends. Oh, I hate that dude. But, so I don't care. He gave me, you know... I ain't going to give this back, you know. Or you break up with somebody, you keep the ring. No, that's mine. I don't care. He gave it to me. I don't care. But in that culture, if you keep the gift from, an, from, from someone, if, by accepting the gift, you're accepting the friendship. So, so they, he, Jacob giving, listen, this is a typical man transaction going on here. Jacob giving gifts was saying, I'm sorry for what I did to you. Esau accepting gifts means I forgive you. They never mention the incident. They don't talk about what happened. They don't listen. If this was two women, it'd be six chapters, <laughs> right? They'd have to go back to the very beginning. Yeah, but when I was six, I remember you you, you took the little blocks and that hurt me. And and you know it would have to build and go to. But these are men. He just says, "Listen, man, I'm sorry, bro. You you take this." The guy said. All right, I'll take this, means I forgive you. And they hug and they kiss, they hug, they pound it out, peace, all right, peace, and they're good. See, the, listen, listen, the power of ugly is diminished when we ask for and or grant forgiveness without reservation. You want to kill the power of ugly, forgive or ask for forgiveness. 
that will kill the power of ugly. Verse 12 now says, Esau offers now, he says, like, they're friends now, they're boys. And they say, all right, man, let's walk together. I'll go up ahead of you because, you know, I got all my men. Let's walk together. Let's go. And, but, but, but Jacob says, nah. Jacob gives an excuse, and he says, no, you know, we're not going to go together right now. I got some, you know, my kids, and, you know, he makes up an excuse. And then Esau even offers, well, let me leave some men with you to protect you, to go with you, because he's, he's rolling with, with um, just shepherds and, and, and women and children. Esau's rolling with 400 men. He said, let me leave you some protection, but, but Jacob says, no, no, that's good. Listen, all I wanted, all I needed, this is Israel speaking now. Listen, this isn't Jacob. Listen, just because God changes your name doesn't mean you're automatically different. You can still choose to walk the other way you used to walk. You have to decide. The Bible says we're a new creation when we come to Christ, but the new creation can still go back to the old ways. Amen? So we we have to understand that we're a new creation, and then every day we have to battle to walk that way. It's not, it does not automatic. You don't come to the altar, say a prayer, you leave, and now I don't got an urge to smoke no more. I don't got an urge to do this no more. I don't got a, no. No, on the contrary. Right? On the contrary. So we got to choose to walk. So right now, he's acting like Israel. He's telling them, listen, man, all I needed from you was to know that you forgive me. Forgave me. All I needed from you, he tells him, listen to the words he uses. He tells him, seeing your face is like seeing the face of God. What is he saying by that? Seeing forgiveness is like seeing God. He's saying being forgiven by you is like just seeing God. Amen? See, the, the, why, why doesn't he want to walk with him? See, Israel now knows that he has to guard who he walks with. He can't just, and he can't trust any other protection but God. Listen, we got to grab this side note for you and for me here. The minute we rely on some other protection or some other source, we cut God out of the deal. God said, I don't play second to nobody. Right? If, if you want, if you want your, your, your horoscope to tell you what's going to happen today, then listen to your horoscope. Don't put me in, into it. If you want me to protect, if you want the candle that you lit at home under the saint to protect you, then let that protect you. Don't ask for my protection. It's me or nothing. You got it? If me, you want witchcraft, deal with witchcraft. You want God, deal with me. All right? I'll be your father. You'll be my son. You'll be my daughter. But don't go to other people. Don't go to other gods. Don't rely on other protection. Take the rabbit's foot and throw it out. All you can do is scratch yourself with that thing. It's nothing. It's a foot of an animal. Really? <laughs> really? So, so although Esau had forgiven Jacob and, and that was something really big, Esau was a different man than Jacob is, be, is becoming. Amen? Look at the difference. Esau was running with 400 men. Jacob was running with his family. So God has changed his name to Israel and, and has reminded him of his calling. Listen, when you realize that you're on mission, and this applies to every single one of us right here, when you realize that you're on mission, you can't walk with people or align yourself with people that can't see or won't see the vision that God has given you. I I pray somebody hear that today. You, You can't run with those that can't see or don't respect your calling. 
You can't align yourself with people that aren't aligned with God. Amen? You have to guard your fellowship. Young people, listen. You have to guard your fellowship. See, the power of ugly is that it can detour you from reaching the goal. It can distract you from hitting the mark, and it can keep you from finishing the race. So they, they, they peacefully part their ways. What's important here is that they're no longer enemies. They've made peace. They peacefully part their ways. And so Jacob finally comes safely to the city of Shechem which is in the land of Canaan. And so this is where he was supposed to be, back to the land of his fathers, right? And so he makes it all the way back to Canaan. He buys some land there, and he settles down. And now chapter 34, man, this is one of the worst chapters in the whole history of Israel. It's an ugly, ugly story. I'm just going to start it today. Listen, they settle into this new place. And remember Dinah, the only daughter that Jacob had? Or the only one that's mentioned at least? Dinah is in this new place. Uh, Historically, we're looking at her. She's probably in her, she's a teenager. She's in her teen years. And so it says in, in, in chapter 34, verse 1, that Dinah went out to visit to see the women of the land. So Dinah, who was most likely a teenager, went out unescorted to see the Canaanite women. She wanted to see what the women were like in this area. And if, if we look historically, history would probably tell us she went out to a festival. That's like a club for us. She went out to a festival. Now, if this was a festival in that time, it would be a Canaanite festival. And if it was a Canaanite festival, we have to assume it was every festival that they had was an idol-worshiping festival. So this was a really bad place for a, a, a children of God to be. Amen? Just like a club would be today. It is the same, we can carry it over 2,000 years, and it's the same exact thing. It's a bad place. So, so listen, it's safe to assume that this little girl found herself where she didn't belong with people she had no business being with. Sounds just like teenagers today, right? Sorry. Not you guys, but you know. But Dinah is out of her father's covering and away from her brother's protection. And Shechem, the son of Hamor, the ruler of that area, sees her. And being the spoiled little rich kid that he is, the word says he saw her, he took her, he lay with her, and he violated her. Dinah was raped. Dinah found herself where she shouldn't be and with who she shouldn't have been with. And she was raped and now she was being held at the home of the rapist. How, I mean, how do, you, how do you deal with that? How do you want to, like, put that in your head? She was raped and then taken to the home of the rapist to live. And so Jacob hears what has happened to her, and it says he stays quiet until the boys come home from the field. 
And when the sons hear about it, it says that they are filled with grief and fury. We can understand that, right? So then Shechem has the nerve to tell his father that he loves this girl. He says, I love her. I want her for a wife. Daddy, make it happen, Dad. And so, listen, he had her already, and now he wants to own her. And so, amen. So the father comes to Jacob, and he says, listen, my son has his heart set on your daughter. Can you, I mean, the, the testicular fortitude that this man has? Can, 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 I mean, the... He comes, he comes to, to the father of the daughter who his son has raped and taken and held hostage. And he says, he, not I'm sorry for what's happened. Not, you know, it's unfortunate the way things worked out or whatever. But just, listen, man, my, my son is crazy about your girl. He wants to marry her, man. Name your price. Whatever it is, man, we'll, we'll do it. And, and so he, he, he tells her, you know, give her to him and intermarry with us. Give us your daughters and we'll give you our daughters. Now, understand, this is something in that culture that was done to strengthen people groups, to strengthen, you know, fortify cities and towns, to, to acquire wealth and to make, you know, powerful allegiances. The two, two people would come together and say, you give us your daughters, we'll give you our daughters, we'll marry together. The problem with that is this. In, 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 you know, when, when two cultures come together like that, they each accept each other's culture. And that means they accept each other's religions, they accept each other's beliefs, and what they would do, they would add our gods to their gods, and we would add their gods to our gods, and we'd become like one. Now, remember, Jacob is the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham. Jacob is the son of promise. Right? And so, so God has a plan, and God would ultimately form his people, the Israelites, from this family. And so it's, if this family gets merged with another people of Canaanites, and if they would intermarry, there would be an intermingling in that line. And understand that from that line, Jesus comes. So, so God is not for this line to, to be mixed like that. See, the enemy has always... And will continue to try to get us not to reject our God or to reject our beliefs, but simply to try to water them down by mixing them with other beliefs. That's why the word says we shouldn't be unequally yoked. The, the enemy's plan, listen, the power of ugly is that it tries to dilute true strength. The power of ugly is that it attempts to water down truth. The power of ugly is that it can distract and even destroy the most set apart by God. Ultimately, what's going to happen here, God is going to make a way where there is no way and God's will will prevail. But when we ignore the power of ugly... We allow ourselves to go through a lot of heartache that God didn't intend for us to go through. Sometimes we cut ourselves even out of God's plans. Do you know that you have the power to cut? God is, God, God is so awesome that God says, you know, I, I could come down and make you worship me. And you know that he could. 
right? God could wipe out a quarter of the earth and then stand in the sky and say, the other, the other three-fourths, you're going to worship me, and we say yes. Yes. But that's not the love that God wants from us. That's not the worship that he, that he desires from us. And so God will allow you to cut yourself out of his plan. God will allow you to delay things. God's in no hurry. He sees the end. He knows exactly what's going to happen. So he says, if you want to go around, you know, 30 years and waste your life and come back to me at 70, I pray you have that chance. But if that's what you want to do, knock yourself out. God said, I'm not going to change. I'm still going to be here. Amen? So listen, we're we're in the middle of this crazy story right now, but the the boys hear that Dinah got raped, and they plan, they make this crazy plan up, and things are going to get crazy and heavy, but right now I'm going to hang a to-be-continued sign. Don't Don't you hate that? But next week, we'll, we'll finish that story in, in the power of ugly part two. But listen, worship team, you guys can come. My prayer today is that we would understand, that we would realize who we are and where we are. That we would accept that God has a plan for you and for me and that we have to align ourselves with that plan. Listen, only in alignment will things move. You understand? Like, you know when there, where there's a big uh, a clock or a piece of machinery and there's all these gears? Only when those gears are, like, perfectly aligned can they move. Right? But, but if the gears are off, then it stops and there's no more movement. And, and, and that happens. That's happened in a lot of our lives. We, we get ourselves out of alignment and we stop the move of God in our lives. We hold, we put everything on hold. And, and the, the awesome thing about the grace of God is that at any time, listen, tell somebody, any time, at any time, you can step back into alignment and say, God, okay, I'm ready. God, I'm willing. God, you, it might take some forgiveness. It might take some, some apologizing. It might take some humbling. It might take some breaking down. It might take some ripping out. It might take some separation. But at any time, we can say, God, I, I want to be aligned with your will. I want to I be where you want me to be. I want to be who you, who you want me to be. I want to do what you want me to do. Only in alignment will things work out for us. Listen, on the flip side, the power of ugly is that only in the presence of ugly can we recognize true beauty. It's only when we recognize our sin that we're and, and see that we're out of alignment that we can appreciate this forgiveness and this unconditional love. Listen, that's what makes God a redeemer. He redeems us from the mistakes that we've made. That's what makes God a healer. He heals us from the brokenness that we've created. That's what makes God a deliverer. He delivers us from our own ways and and ways of doing things. That's what makes God a savior. He saves us from what we rightfully deserve. That's why you and I can call ourselves Christians today. 
Because God loved us so much that he sent his son to take on the power of ugly and nailed it to a cross. Listen, you might never have understood why Christians say the cross is so beautiful. But it's because all of our ugly died there. Yay. Yay. That was right on time. The power of ugly was killed on the cross. The power of ugly can only be wiped out with love. Do you know that love is ugly's kryptonite? Love is the only thing that breaks the power of ugly. I want to challenge you all today to come under this alignment. Really, I I pray that that, that you can hear this today. Listen, there could be some issues there. There could be some disagreements. There could be some hurts, some drama, some pain. But we need to start to get past that today. Amen? Today, we need to start to get past that. There might be some things that are going to take a long time to work out. There might be some issues that we're going to need to to go through a lot to get through, but we got to start to get through today. We got to resist the power of ugly. We need to break the power of ugly in our lives today, right now. Listen, this is going to sound really strange, maybe even a little funny, but I mean it in all seriousness. If you're ready to stop being ugly... Could you just stand today right where you're at? You don't got to move. You don't got to go nowhere. Just say, you know what? I, I want to stop being ugly. You only, you, you only you know what that means. Well, look, there's a lot of ugly people standing, so you don't have to be embarrassed. But really, please, like, I would, I would even ask you to sit back down if, if like, really. Stand up if you're saying, God, I, I, I want this... This, I know that there's ugly in me. I know that I got issues. I know there's, there's a lot of ugly that, but, but today we're going to like break the power of that. <coughs> this is the perfect place to break the power of ugly. And the love of God is the only place that we can break the power of ugly. Listen, ugly is exactly what it is. It's just ugly. It ruins our lives. It destroys relationships. It destroys ministries. It it topples families. It, it, It turns over children. It ruins destinies. It's ugly. There's no other better word to to describe it. It's just ugly. I implore you today to break the power of ugly. To say, God, only your true and unconditional love can break this. God, that's what I need today. Just come worship with us. Thank God.